this is Bill Woods wishing you a very nice holiday, 4th of July. You know, I've always felt very patriotic when I've, we've come to the 4th of July and all the wonderful things that are done and said about our history. For 246 years we've celebrated the Day of Independence. One of the songs that I've always enjoyed was America the Beautiful, and it goes, all beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of green, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea like i said that's one of the songs that has always been a blessing but i wonder today you know, it's a prayer god shed his grace on thee my question today is america why should god shed his grace on thee I want to read from Psalms 9:17. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. Judges 3, 1 and 2 says, These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Judges 17:6 and 21:25 says the same thing in those days israel had no king all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes you know no nation has ever been as blessed and as successful as the united states of america god has blessed our nation because our nation was founded upon principles found in the bible our laws were based on god's laws found mostly in leviticus and deuteronomy even early school textbooks were steeped in Christian catechism, scriptural quotes, and morality found in the Word of God. In 1959, Madeline Murray O'Hare challenged the rights of the school system to teach her son William to pray and read the Bible in public school. She didn't want him exposed to such futile nonsense. At first, nobody took her threat seriously. They thought she was just a wacky old dame that didn't know what she was talking about. She pursued her cause all the way to the Supreme Court and finally, in 1963, prayer, scripture, and God were kicked out of the public schools. What's ironic, despite her efforts to shield William from God, he became a Christian and eventually a Baptist pastor. He also serves as chairman of the Religious Freedom Coalition, a nonprofit. Uh, in Washington, D.C. that fights for the rights of Christians in Islamic and communist countries. He founded a printing press to produce Bibles in Russia shortly after communism collapsed in the Soviet Union. I imagine that his mom is very, very proud of him. Not. He says he's trying to atone for his mother's successful effort to get prayer banned from public schools. I remember a time when Madeline and her husband had a fight and he beat her up and broke her arm and a lot of pastors wanted to send him a thank you note for what he had done. 
Since our nation evicted God from school and public forums, we've been on a downward spiral. Crime has increased, divorce has increased, sexual sins have increased, bringing more adultery, fornication, gay lifestyles, disease, unwanted pregnancies, and on and on. People used to leave their doors unlocked and never worry about thieves breaking in and stealing. In fact, they could leave their keys in their cars with no concern. Children could play outside and be perfectly safe. Drivers could stop on the roads to help people who were having problems and very little concern for their own safety. I remember that the judge put out a, a song that I thought was very, very apropos. It was called, Grandpa, Tell Us About the Good Old Days. I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'm going to read the lyrics. It says, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Sometimes it feels like this world's gone crazy. Grandpa, take me back to yesterday when the line between right and wrong didn't seem so hazy. Did lovers really fall in love to stay and stand beside each other, come what may? Was a promise really something people kept, not just something they would say? Did families really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? Whoa, whoa, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Grandpa, everything is changing fast. We call it progress, but I just don't know. And Grandpa, let's wander back into the past. Then paint me the picture of long ago. Did lovers really fall in love to stay and stand beside each other come what may? What a prom Was a promise really something people kept? Not just something they would say and then forget? Did families really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? What? Whoa, whoa, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Whoa, whoa, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. And then there's some humming, mm -mm, and it finishes, Did families really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? Well, what happened? What changed? Well, I'll tell you. We divorced God from our nation and destroyed those good old days. Today we have shootings at schools and factories, post offices, courtrooms, churches, restaurants. It's not the guns, though. It's demented people on the rampage that need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There are drive-by shootings just for the sport of it. We must today worry about rapes and home invasions and arson and murder. It's certainly not the same America that I grew up in. When people honored God and, and attended church and sin wasn't flaunted in or out of the closet, America was the greatest nation on earth. It was the envy of the world. Everyone pulled together, not for a common cause, and enjoyed living decently. We were a great nation. Today, we're confused about morals and decency. Today, couples shack up without the, the blessings of matrimony, and, and we think it's just natural. Our younger generation doesn't appreciate or even know their heritage. We've been invaded by people with no understanding about our history or culture, and because we threw the Bible out, immigrants are bringing their religions in, and we must let them practice their godly religions if we're going to be politically correct. But we better not tell them about Jesus Christ. In 2013, the Supreme Court, Supreme Court ruled 
uh, Section 3 of DOMA, which is the Defense of Marriage Act, they said it was unconstitutional, clearing the way for gay marriage. It was ruled that denying recognition of same-sex marriage is a violation of the Due Process Clause of the Fifth Amendment. Many old-time denominations have liberalized and are insisting that pastors and churches perform weddings for gay couples or get sued for discrimination. I've heard stories about bakers that didn't want to bake cakes for gay weddings and have been sued and almost lost their businesses. Some local congregations, especially those designated as welcoming churches in the American Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, United Church of Christ, Methodist, Episcopalian, and Brethren Mennonite denominations, probably others, may consist of a majority of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender members. There's a big push in society to legalize sin. We don't like being told no. The mood of the day is hedonism. If it feels good, do it. In many churches, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Pope Francis is even saying that good atheists will be welcomed into heaven even if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen to me. There's only one path to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. John 14:6 said Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You can't leave God out of society and expect anything but crime and chaos. All you have to do is look at last summer, the summer of rage in Seattle and Portland and Chicago and most other major cities where there was rioting and burning of uh, property and destruction all over the place. Because we're afraid of offending someone's culture, their religion, or their sexual orientation, we've fallen into the trap of Judges 17.6 and repeated again in 21.25. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. It didn't work then. It won't work now. There will be a lot of confused people at God's judgment seat waiting to enter heaven and told instead that he didn't know them, they were to go to hell. Too many modern pastors are, are tickling ears, afraid to preach the gospel, and, and people are following them, following them on the broad road and wide gate right into an eternal hell because they don't want to hear the truth that the only thing we have, the only hope we have, is Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And unless America turns back to God, we have literally bought the farm. What a sad commentary when our Supreme Court judges can't discern right from wrong, immorality from morality, and nine people can override the votes for common decency. The last judge appointed to the Supreme Court bench couldn't even define what a woman was. At least today, or this week, they have made one right decision. They outlawed abortion as a constitutional right. However, we can expect and are already seeing violent demonstrations from people who put more value on convenience than on life. God warned in 2 Thessalonians 2.11, if the, in the last days people will be deceived and will believe a lie rather than the truth. America has weakened because we've dismissed God and bought the big lie. 
in the, by the way, the United States is not a democracy like Nancy Pelosi and the other Democratic leaders would have you believe. What is a dem dem democratic? We are a democratic republic. And what is a democratic republic? Well, the key difference between democracy and a republic lies in the limits placed on government by the law, which has implications for minority rights. Both forms of government tend to use a representative system where citizens vote to elect politicians to represent their interests and form of government. In a republic, a constitution or charter of rights protects certain inalienable rights that cannot be taken away by the government, even if it has been elected by a majority of voters. In a democracy, the majority is not restrained and can impose its will on the minority. Most modern nations, including the United States, are democratic republics with a constitution which can only be amended by a popular elected government. This comparison therefore contrasts the form of government in most countries today with a theoretical construct of pure democracy, mainly to highlight the features of a republic. You say, well, what did he say? We simply put, the government can't arbitrarily just take away my amendment rights on the whim of a political party. Thank God for that protection. That means even on the uh, Second Amendment that the government just can't come take all my guns and everything else just because there's some people in the government that can't see the difference. You know, history's proven a republic is always temporary in nature. It simply can't exist as a permanent form of government. A republic will continue to exist until voters discover they have they can vote themselves generous gifts from the public treasury. From then on, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits from the public tra treasury. The result, every republic will finally collapse over loose fiscal policy, which is usually followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations from the beginning of history has been about 200 years. This year, the United States celebrates 246 years as a republic. During those 200 years, nations progress through the following sequence. First, from bondage to spiritual faith. From spiritual faith to great courage. From great courage to liberty. From liberty to abundance. From abundance to complacency. From complacency to apathy from apathy to governmental dependence, from governmental dependence back to bondage. Question is, where are we today? I'm not sure we can turn this nation around. We've, we've ignored God far too long, and we've let every evil, evil perversion into our society. Not only have we let down on our God-given heritage and morals, but we've also compromise to the point that the average American thinks the word God is a swear word or a word to punctuate their language. Another problem is our enemies want to destroy us. The Muslims, the Muslims attacked our nation on September 11, 2001, and we practically embraced them, calling them a religion of peace. California began to teach in their schools the rudiments of the Muslim religion ill-informed people 
believe that uh, Muslims and, and uh, Christians serve the same God. That's not so. Allah, Allah is not Jehovah. And I warned of the Muslim threat. Uh, you know, as we look and, and they feel how the the uh, Muslims, the ones that really are, are sold out, want to take over the world, it looks like, you know, signs of the end times. President George W. Bush, President Obama, and now President Biden have pursued a, pursued a globalist agenda to create a North American Union effectively erasing our borders with Mexico and Canada. The hidden agenda behind these administrations is to have open borders. Secretly, the Bush administration pursued a policy to expand NAFTA, that's North American Free Trading Agreement, established in 1994 under President Clinton. Our government tried to force us to be a world region, not a sovereign nation. The United States has been leading has been the leading world power among nations, but since 2005 there's been a concerted effort to repeal or do away with the United States sovereignty to the North American Union. A new economic and political entity quietly forming much like the European Union was formed. In March 2005 President George W. Bush Mexican President Vincent Fox at that time and Canadian Prime Minister Paul Martin at that time committed their governments to a path of cooperation and joint action. The simple plan was to erase the borders from a North American region as part of the one world order. That's why borders aren't secure today. That's why President Trump pushed for building a wall. We sing, America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Well, I want to say, don't count on it. We've strayed too far and ingested too much anti-God garbage, and there aren't enough praying Christians that even care today. We've been like the frog placed in cold water and then brought to a boil. We didn't even pay attention to what was going on while we could. Well, what then? Should we just give up and accept defeat? No. We should salvage our families and get as many others as we can to turn back to God. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. We need more people praying. We need more dynamic Christians taking a stand for God and the rights of God's people. We need to witness more and trust God to use us for his work. God is a God of miracles. We can leave a swath of righteousness across this sinful and corrupt world in which we live if we turn back to God. Ezekiel 22:30 says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the lands. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Are you a gap person? Is God looking for you to stand in the gap? Benjamin Franklin spoke to the Second Continental Congress in 1775. He says, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs see of this truth. 
that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable, uh, probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. He goes on, I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without this concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interests. Our, our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and byword down to future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter from this unfortunate instance despair of establishing governments of human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, and conquest. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to do business. You know, that doesn't sound like our national leaders today who have allowed Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, Shintos and every other kind of God-defying religion to come together for a national day of prayer and repentance right after 9-11. Benjamin Franklin was calling to begin the sessions with prayer, to seek God's will, to seek God's leadership. You know, the reason after 9-11 that the desired revival was so short-lived was because of God's first two commandments. He says in, in Exodus chapter 20, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of, or any likeness of anything that is heaven above or that is the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Listen, that National Day of Contrition and Repentance prayer meeting that was held September 14, 2001 at the Washington National Cathedral pleading for God's intercession was a farce. God would not share his power to heal a nation with all the other gods that were represented there that day. If we're going to serve God, we need to come out from among them and serve God. The religious leaders trying to lead that day of repentance were ecumenical and included every true and false religion. They negated the desired success because God will not share his glory. Winston Churchill said, if you will not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly. You may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it's better to perish than to live as slaves. Is that what we've allowed America to become to today? We've waited so long that it's hopeless? God forgive us for not letting him continue to lead us in righteousness. America, America, why should God shed his grace on thee? Nice song, but totally fruitless today unless we really turn back to him. 
you ask, well, what can I do about it? I don't have the influence to change things. I, I like the verse or the poem that Edward Everett Hale said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. What? Do what you can. Pray for our nation to wake up. Tell other people about Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the, the, the way into heaven. We need revival, and it needs to start with you and me. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And I implore you in the name of Jesus Christ to take a stand for him and begin doing what you can to turn the tide of this nation and turn us back towards God. Father, I would ask that you help us today that we might be able to catch a glimpse of the fact that even though things look bad as they do, that you're still God and you're still in control and what's happening has not caught you by surprise and the promise is still there. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. God, I pray that Christians everywhere will begin to pray for revival. And we might see on, on this July 4th and the days to come a nation that begins to turn back towards God. Forgive us, Lord, for the evil that's happened in our nation. And somehow, Lord, help us to be part of the restoration of making the United States of America a strong nation again. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening. I'm going to talk next week because it is the 4th of July week. I'm going to talk uh, about uh, the, what happened to the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And I hope that you'll look forward to that with me. If you want to get in touch with me, you know how. I, my mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. My email address is lowercase revwm www.oods at gmail.com and if you uh, want to pick up my podcast my podcast is churchofthegalilean.com and when you get there if you look underneath it you'll find the, the saying there's still power in the blood click on that and you'll be able to get all the sermons that I have preached God bless you I do wish you a happy time as we get ready for this nation's 246th birthday and I just pray that God will make it a very special time for you. Amen.